Every town has a dark side. This is Andrew Fitzgerald from the Every Town Podcast, where every single week we dive into insane and mysterious true crime stories, most of which you've never heard of. Stories like the bizarre disappearance of Tyler Davis in Columbus, Ohio, a 29-year-old father trying to find his way back to his hotel when he disappeared and was never heard from again, and Elizabeth Shelf from Lugoff, South Carolina, who was abducted from her driveway by a madman and taken to his underground bunker in the woods. We give you all the details you're interested in hearing about without any fluff or fillers, because ain't nobody got time for that. We cover everything from psychopaths to poltergeists, so go check out the Everytown podcast, because every town, no matter how nice it may seem, has a dark side. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. On this episode, a science teacher, attorney, and the father of an autistic child takes on Big Pharma, the medical establishment, the mainstream media, and government to draw attention to the dangers of the MMR vaccine and a possible link to autism. I think what a lot of us in the autism community have come away with is the medical establishment does not want to have a conversation with us. In fact, they regard us as the enemy. This podcast is brought to you by International Star Registry. Choosing a gift for someone special can be a daunting task. Whether it's a birthday, Mother's Day, Father's Day, anniversary, or any other big day, you want a gift that's unique and perfect for that person who already has everything. International Star Registry can help. They've been providing unique gift ideas for over 25 years. International Star Registry lets you name an actual star in the sky after your special someone. Name a star after someone you care about and they'll remember it forever and never forget your thoughtfulness. The address is getarealstar.com. Getarealstar.com and give someone the gift of a real star in the sky. That address again, getarealstar.com. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. Pursuing the truth wherever it leads. Exposing evil and corruption and the secret machinations of powerful elites. Revealing the high strangeness beneath the surface of our supposed reality. Coming to you from his studio beneath the stairs. Here's Richard Serrett. So last night I thought I was coming down with something again, uh, but I woke up this morning and whatever that feeling was in the back of my throat, uh, it was gone. And, and actually this winter, several times I've gone to bed not feeling great and I was sure I was coming down with something like a flu bug. And again, the next day, gone which I attribute uh, a lot to the, uh, the uh, I take a lot of multivitamins and omega-3 krill and, and I get, you know, I try to get lots of rest. Uh, but funny, you know, nobody in our house got the flu this year and none of us took the flu shot. Uh, yet, I know at least a dozen people who've been totally waylaid by the flu. It's been a bad year. Uh, and half of those people, I actually, I, I asked, I took a little survey, half of those people who got sick with the flu took the flu shot, received the flu shot. Now, I know this is just anecdotal information, and you can do with that information what you want. I'm, I'm, but I'm guessing there are an awful lot of you listening 
with similar stories. I'm not telling you not to get the flu shot. I'm just telling you my experience. But I know there are people who will say, if you're not advocating for a flu shot, you must be against it. That Richard, he's he's an anti-vaxxer. Get him off the air. That's the climate these days. No, I, uh, I just, I want more information. That's what I'm about. Where in the mainstream media, for example, do you get to hear people speak about their concerns over certain vaccinations? You don't. And why? Well, look at the advertising. That says it all. Look how uh, Jenny McCarthy, for example, has been completely vilified. Look at Dr. Andrew Wakefield, chased out of England, lost his medical license over a peer-reviewed study in Lancet that was later retracted. How many people have actually read that study? Oh, that Dr. Wakefield, he's a nutter. He's an anti-vaxxer. Actually, no. All his studies said was that maybe we ought to look at this. Maybe there's a connection between the MMR vaccine and autism. Not sure, but maybe. And maybe we should continue to look at it. That's all that study said. Well, back in 2013, you may have missed it, but a whistleblower at the Centers for Disease Control came out and said some pretty damning things about an MMR vaccine safety study he was involved with. And that study would appear to vindicate not only Dr. Wakefield, but Jenny McCarthy and thousands upon thousands of parents who are concerned about a possible link, a possible link between MMR vaccine and autism. So when the mainstream media says, case closed, there's no link, it's been debunked, run in the other direction because they're not giving you the full story. They're not. That's not to say there is definitely a causal relationship. It just means we need to study this more. My next guest is on the front line when it comes to raising awareness and pushing back on behalf of parents with children with autism. Kent Heckenlively is an attorney, science teacher, author, and father of a daughter with autism. He's a founding contributing editor of the website Age of Autism, and his work can regularly be found on the Bolin Report. In 2017, he was banned for three years from traveling to Australia for a planned lecture series on corruption at the Center for Disease Control. In 2018, his articles at the Bolin Report are regularly shadow banned by Facebook. So we can only imagine what kind of trouble he's going to get into as the year progresses. Kent Heckenlively, welcome to Conspiracy Unlimited. How are you? Thanks a lot for having me, Richard. I'm doing great. Kent, you have a daughter with autism. Tell me about her. How How is she? I, I, I had what is really interesting for me is uh, I have a daughter very severely affected with autism. Um, and I really did not click into the idea of vaccines being linked to autism until my son came along. And he had been normally developing up until 18 months, and we'd kept him on a hypoallergenic milk formula up until that time, but it got kind of expensive. So at 15 months, we switched him back. I actually took him to his 18-month checkup, and because I thought the doctor missed something at my daughter's six-month checkup, he went through a full developmental workup uh, passed with flying colors, 15, 20 words, looking appropriately. Then he got his shots. Three days later, my wife, who's a speech therapist, says, Ben has stopped talking. It was at that moment I said to myself, oh, my God, this crazy theory about the vaccines seems to be true. Through the grace of God, I ran across the gluten casein-free diet, put him on it, put my daughter on it. 
Uh, it took 12 days, but my son said his first word again, and I always say that it was as if I caught him as he was falling into the abyss of autism. Um, you know, we're, we've still been working with my daughter, um, but my son, who is now 17 years old, he's a track athlete, he's a weightlifter, he's got a great sense of humor, um, good student, and, you know, my daughter is still very severely affected. So I know that it's not just the genetics. I know that there's something else out there. So that's really what got me into this uh, journey that's been 15 years and counting. I, I, I want to go back to uh, November of 2013 and uh, and talk about the the whistleblower, Dr. William Thompson. And but first of all, his conversation uh, with uh, with Dr. Brian Hooker. Uh, just kind of for those aren't, who aren't familiar with what went down, and of course, Dr. William Thompson, working in vaccine safety at the CDC, worked on a very important study. Just if you could uh, give us kind of a thumbnail sketch of of that conversation, subsequent conversations with with Hooker and Thompson. Yeah. So um, this is it's a science story, but it's also a very human story. So Dr. William Thompson is a senior scientist at the CDC working in vaccine safety. Uh, in the early 2000s, he'd had a lot of interactions with Dr. Brian Hooker, who is a scientist and the father of a son with autism. And uh, around that time in the early 2000s, the big controversy was about the work of Andrew Wakefield, uh, his uh, observation that many children who had developed autism seemed to have done so after a measles, mumps, and rubella shot. The CDC did their own study because they had uh, some data on children who had received the MMR shot after three years of age and before three years of age. Um, And Dr. William Thompson had been part of this group of scientists who actually hid a bunch of data. They had about 220 autistic kids in their study, and they threw out about uh, a third of them to make the numbers go down because the earlier you got the MMR shot, the higher the rate of autism, specifically among African-American children. There was about a 3.5-fold increase in the rate of autism among African-American males who got it early. And overall among the children who got it earlier, there was about a 2.4-fold increase. Anything above a two-fold increase is generally proof of causation in a legal case. And Dr. Thompson had been carrying this information, this this uh, information around, and uh, this burden. And in 2013, he reached out to Dr. Hooker and said, uh, "I know you've been trying to get information from the CDC for 10 years. Um, I have the information." And Thompson was actually in a position to be kind of the gatekeeper uh, of the information, and he actually told. Hooker how to go about asking for the data and that Thompson would feed it to him. So that became uh, the blockbuster information that was uh, covered in the documentary Vaxxed from Cover Up to Catastrophe um, and my book Inoculated. Uh, how science lost its soul in autism. The curious that Dr. William Thompson, as far as I know, the last I checked, he's still working at the CDC. How is that possible? <laughs> You know, uh, I think that what Thompson has done is he's tried to do everything by the book. Um, He applied for federal whistleblower protection. He got a whistleblower attorney. And so he really made himself kind of untouchable. Um, 
uh, by the CDC. Uh, in exchange, what he has to do is he has to remain quiet until uh, subpoenaed by Congress. So it's a bit of a uh, standoff that, you know, until he gets called, um, he can't say anything publicly. Now, the frustration that my community's had is it's been three and a half years and Congress hasn't called him, even though members of our community met with Congressman Jason Chaffetz, who's head of the House Oversight and Government Reform Committee. And, uh, you know, Chaffetz, before he left to government, knew knew about this, and, and kind of everybody does, but nobody's willing to walk across that line. Is part of that, is part of the underlying problem here, this revolving door where you have uh, executives at uh, various pharmaceuticals um, intermittently becoming executives at the Centers for Disease Control uh, it, and so forth. Hey, absolutely. For example, um, when Thompson was uh, involved in this cover-up, he felt so bad about it, he broke the chain of command and wrote a letter directly to the head of the CDC, a woman named Dr. Julie Gerberding, and said that this they're asking him to present information that is not accurate. Um, Gerberding uh, eventually left the CDC uh, after doing nothing about Thompson's complaint and went and headed up Merck's global vaccine division. So this is a, a terrible problem. Um, and it, it's, it's, it's really unbelievable. You know, I, I always tell people, Richard, that, you know, if I had not fallen into this by having uh, a child regress so immediately after vaccination, I don't know if I would believe it. But, you know, what I've done in my writings with uh, my book, Inoculated, which I wrote based on documents I received from Congress, that means... I applied to the office of Congressman William Posey, Republican Florida, who had the whistleblower documents. I actually had to apply to Congress for permission to get those documents. He granted those documents. I wrote my book based on documents I received from Congress. This isn't something, you know, that I just made up or, you know, I, I went to, you know, some acupuncturist website or some supplement company. I, I, I had to apply to Congress to get these documents, and I was given them. So um, I, I've always said with both my book, Inoculated and Plague, which I wrote with a 20-year government scientist, Dr. Judy Mikovits, is that the, the, the bad guys have two options. They can attack you, or they can pretend you don't exist. I told Dr. Judy Mikovits that when we wrote the book Plague, that if I did a really good job at it, I think that our, the response was going to be they, they were going to act like I'd never even published the book. Mm which is just what they did with um, Plague. You know, it's got over 100, it's got 160 reviews on Amazon, 4.6 um, uh, uh, average, uh, inoculated on Amazon also, 4.5 um, out of five stars. So these are books that people read, they love, it, they're, they're well-written, they tell me that it reads like a, a thriller, um, but, you know, nobody will touch it with a 10-foot pole, even though they've sold, you know, tens of thousands of copies. Uh, it's very interesting. I, I always remember this story I heard um, when the Department of Homeland Security was first being formed. They had a former KGB uh, officer, 
uh, General Primakov, I think his name was, come over and consult. And one of Primakov's observations was how things, how dissent is silenced in the United States. He said, you know, we have gulags in the Soviet Union. Here, you just ostracize people and, and discredit them through the media and ignore them. And that's far more effective. <laughs> yeah, you know, there, there's a wonderful book called Beautiful Souls. I, I don't know if you've heard about it, but it looks at whistleblowers and it, it looks at uh, and people who um, defy their government. And it's got one person who was a Swiss guard during World War II who let Jews into Switzerland. Um, it's got somebody who was an Israeli uh, in the occupied territories who didn't want to participate in that. And it also had an American whistleblower um, uh, before the mortgage crisis, the home mortgage crisis, who was saying, like, who's looking at the numbers and going, these these products just don't add up. And what they said was, you know, it's one thing to go against the government and everybody sees sees that you're the one person standing up against it, but the person who actually felt the loneliest was the American who stood up against the home mortgage market. Mm. Because, no, you know, all her friends who didn't stand up, you know, they, they feel embarrassed now. And, and so, you know, it's one thing to stand up against an oppressive government and be seen as standing against it. It's another to do it in the United States. And, uh, you know, they, they just pretend you don't exist. Yes, and and the uh, the mainstream media very uh, complicit in this. They're supposed to be on the side <laughs> and have some intellectual curious, curiosity and and be on the side of those that are trying to afflict the powerful. But they seem to be giving uh, comfort to the powerful. Uh, you mentioned Dr. Andrew Wakefield uh, later, and before you know the William yeah. Thompson whistleblowing episode, years before, decades before, of course, he became the whipping post. Uh, of um, mainstream media, uh, uh, the medical um, orthodoxy, the pharmaceuticals, uh, because of his uh, peer-reviewed study. Was it Lancet, I believe, in England? And yep. the takeaway I had from, from sort of reading the summary of that, I'm not a scientist, so I won't pretend that I understood what I read, but I read the summaries, and to me the takeaway was he wasn't saying that the MMR vaccine causes autism. He said, well, there might be a connection. I don't know, but we need to look further at this. That was, that was, that was all, really, wasn't it? Yeah, yes. I, he, he, there's something called case, case review, which is um, something that is in common in medical journals. You look at, you know, you report on cases and see if you can detect any patterns. And it's looked at, it's kind of like the first line of scientific investigation. And that's what he did. He had 12 kids who had presented with the development of autism after the MMR vaccine. It, it, I think nine of the 12, uh, their parents directly linked it to the MMR vaccine. And so what he did was he scoped them, and they also had gastrointestinal problems. So he said, oh, kind of interesting, because a lot of the immune system is in the gut. Let's, let's look at this in the MMR vaccine. It's a three-virus vaccine, and, and, you know, lots of people have raised the question of, you know, it's one thing to get um, a vaccine with a single virus and your body's just responding to one problem, but, you know, you got three viruses, you're, you're multiplying the problems. And, um, you know, he reported that there were signs of this new gastrointestinal problem, and when they took samples, they took biopsies from these inflamed areas of the gut, they were able to, 
to find the measles virus there, and it was the, the vaccine strain of the measles virus. And all he said was, this deserves further study. And, you know, I'm, I'm a science teacher and an attorney. Um, and, you know, the basis of science is, you know, we don't know the answer, but, it, hey, if we get an interesting clue, let's investigate. That's all he said. And the other thing, I mean, he wasn't even an anti-vaxxer. He was saying, listen, why don't parents have the option of getting the, the measles in a, in a separate shot from why do they have to bundle them together? That's all yeah, he was saying. Hey, hey, and, you know, it's really instructive to watch what happened to Andrew Wakefield because you try to understand what's really going on. You're trying to understand if the other side is really interested in a conversation with you. And I think what a lot of us in the autism community have come away with is the medical establishment does not want to have a conversation with us. In fact, they regard us as the enemy who must be destroyed. And, and that's a terrible thing to, to finally come to that realization because I think, you know, for the first five or six years that I was an activist, I just found myself going, oh, these people must, must not be speaking in the proper terms or showing the doctors the proper reverence. And, you know, I finally, you know, after banging my head against the wall for, you know, five or ten years, I said, hey, I got a clue. They're not interested. They want to attack us. And, you know, that's very much what's happened in California. I mean, I, I think that a lot of people have heard the concerns that, parents like me have uh, have raised and you know read our books and listened to to our interviews read our articles that we write and they say god these people don't sound crazy it just sounds like you know they're interested in you know having healthy kids and and, and yet a very liberal governor there doubling down and and they are now they have now removed the religious exemption uh, yeah, so it, and denying children a public education if they don't take the jab, the shot. Yeah. So, so you know, it's kind of funny because, uh, you know, here I've, I'm a native Californian and, you know, I, and, and I really am a thoroughgoing Californian. I'm a live and let live kind of person. But I, I find myself going like, OK, so let me get this straight in in california it's hey if i want to have a child or not that's my choice if i decide i'm a different gender i can get people to call me that but but god forbid i want to alter the vaccination schedule you know i may be hauled into court you know my children kept out of school i mean it is really a fascist regime and that's that's all i can say and I, i know that may sound a little bit much but when you think about you in the state of California, you know, the Nuremberg Code specifically requires that there has to be informed consent. Now, there's two parts to that. That's it. They're informed, so you have the requisite information to know whether it's safe or not, and then you get to say yes or no. We don't have information, and we don't have consent. And, you know, that's that's something that... Uh, you know, is Nazi-like. And unfortunately, it is being done by the liberal Democrats in California. And I just don't understand how the great Democratic Party has gone so off the rails. 
I just wanted to circle back to Dr. Wakefield for a moment because I neglected to ask you this before we got into California. And that was, it was a very, I mean, because Dr. Wakefield's career was, was destroyed. I mean, he was run out of England. Uh, he was stripped of his medical license. Uh, he became this pariah. Uh, and uh, after the... Uh, the whistleblower, Dr. Thompson, uh, came came forward, or it was revealed through Dr. Hooker. Uh, Thompson reached out to uh, Andrew Wakefield and just basically poured his soul out to him, apologizing. Yeah, I, I, and you know that's where I say it's a very human story because you know what happens to people who, for one reason or another. Um, engage against crimes against humanity you know it, we, we we think of them as monsters and everything and and what they have done are completely monstrous acts and yet they're still human and that's i think what's so engaging and amazing about the story i document and inoculated is that thompson comes across not as a monster but as a deeply conflicted man who is trying to find a soul again and that's that's why i, I subtitle of the book how science lost its soul in autism because i think that thompson is trying to regain his soul you know i'm trying to help science find its soul again because it has lost its soul it is it has not only sold itself out for money but it is actively harming an entire generation of children and, and and you know probably the population at large i mean i people will say to me like kent are you really an anti-vaxxer and i say you know i'm trained as a lawyer so i want to see evidence so if you're telling me that i should do something i want you to show me that it's safe when i see absolutely no evidence of long-term safety for a product and you say you want to inject that into my body i just say no because you haven't proven it to me. And so, you know, I jokingly refer to myself as the world's number one anti-vaxxer because, you know, how can you how can you say that this product should be given to people, to children when they haven't looked at, you know, the long-term cancer effects, they haven't looked at the mutagenic effects, they haven't looked at it in combination. I mean, they do no long-term studies. I mean, when they do a single vaccine, they look for side effects for like a week or two weeks and then say it's safe. Well, these are, these are immune system problems. These are neurological problems. They might take a while to appear, especially in a six-month-old child. Right. And the, you know, the sort of the off-sighted gold standard of scientific studies, the, the double-blind study, and you have a control group. Has there been such a study to test the efficacy, a safety of vaccines where they have compared a vaccinated uh, population with an unvaccinated population? I haven't read one if they have. Uh, there has been no large government-sponsored study looking at that. There have been some small studies funded by parents which have looked at that um, using homeschoolers. Um, it has found significant differences in the health outcomes, um, but those, you know, again, those studies have been published, and the media won't report on them. So the only information we have is from relatively small studies that show a significant difference, but nobody follows up on it because vaccine, the global vaccine market is closing in on a hundred billion dollar a year industry. So it's a hundred billion dollar a year industry, 
which because of the 1986 National Childhood Vaccine Injury Act has no liability. In other words, what you can't. Ama- you can't. What an amazing business model! Right, right. How do I get in on that? You, in other words, you <laughs> yeah, can't. Exactly. You can't take a drunk company. You can't sue them in a civil court. They have circumvented the civil justice system. Yeah. So a- any other pharmaceutical drug, even though it's it's a pretty steep climb, you can sue for harm caused by that drug in a regular civil courtroom. Get discovery. You know, depose the scientists. You cannot do anything even remotely like that in what's called the vaccine court. Uh, you, you, there's no precedent. So, you know, if a thousand people have received payments for their autism caused by vaccines, you will never know about it. You can't cite it. You have to prove your case anew. I wonder how many people are aware of this secretive vaccine court. Well, I'm not going to hide this from you. It's good news from the folks at Life Extension, and I'm telling you because your body deserves the best. But how do you choose the very best nutritional supplements or even know what's in them? Life Extension has been helping people stay healthy for over 35 years. Just like with the foods you eat, the quality, purity, and potency of the ingredients in your nutritional supplements really do matter. Life Extension supplements set the gold standard for supporting weight loss, heart, brain, bone, joint, eye, skin, sexual health, and so much more. Their formulas are based on the latest scientific research and clinically validated dosages. That's one reason why 98% of their customers recommend Life Extension to their friends and family. Every Life Extension product is backed by a total satisfaction guarantee. The bottom line? Life Extension is the brand you can trust with your health. Check out Life Extension products with special savings. Visit SmartClickIdea.com. That's SmartClickIdea.com. SmartClickIdea.com. The truth goes through three stages. First, it is ridiculed. Then, it is violently opposed. Finally, it is accepted as self-evident. Let me just read that again, what that means. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. Attorney, science teacher, and the author of Inoculated, How Science Lost Its Soul in Autism. Kent Heckenlively is with me. Now, uh, back to California. Uh, The idea that your child could be denied a public education because parents are seeking a religious exemption or on some other ethical, moral ground, a conscience based on their conscience, that no longer flies in California. They can kick your kid out of school. Uh, Is is there a constitutional challenge coming? I mean, that's a, a right to a public education. That's, you know, that's guaranteed. We, we are hopeful that that will develop. Um, it, I, I always say that this is not a political issue because I think we have enough enemies among Republicans and Democrats, but I would say we have marginally more friends among the Republican side because they tend to be more liberty-oriented if they're not bought off by the corporations, which happens more than it should. Um, we are hopeful that uh, President Trump recently established a, a really interesting department in, uh, the Divi- in Health and Human Services called the Division, and he di- established this in the Civil Rights Division. It's the Division of Conscience and Religious Freedom in Healthcare. Now, the way it's being sold is that 
oh, this is or played in, up in the mainstream media is, oh, this is just about those people who don't, met those medical professionals who don't want to take part in either abortion or euthanasia because of their um, religious concerns. But it's not just religious, it's religion and conscience. And actually, when you read through the regula- proposed regulations, there are many times that they talk about vaccinations, specifically vaccines created from aborted human fetal tissues, and that medical professionals don't need to be a, a uh, to assist in that, or 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 they may they they cite other laws that say that you know you have a choice in in um, uh, in medical decisions, and while it's not specific, I kind of think that you know you can't just have a little freedom. You can't just have freedom for the medical professionals without having medical freedom for the patients. So I, I kind of see this new division, division as the opening salvo in the war against California's um, uh, mandatory vaccination law. And curiously, one of our group actually met with the new head of this division and had brought up the California laws. And uh, uh, what he had told her is, you know, bring me your complaints. We want to hear it. We want to investigate that. Oh, fascinating. So, well, we'll have to keep an eye you know, on that because it, it, I, I know during the yeah. transition, uh, uh, President-elect Trump met uh, with Robert Kennedy Jr. Uh, on this very issue, and and then everything kind of went silent. But maybe this is sort of the beginning of that. Yeah, you know, I, I'm hopeful, and it, you know, everybody mistrusts each other, I, and it's so unfortunate. I mean. You know, I, I'm I'm more of a conservative libertarian. Robert Kennedy Jr. is a, a very liberal Democrat, but you know, and and we may differ on tactics in some ways, but you know, I don't doubt his heart. And and you know, he doesn't have a kid with autism, and yet he's joined us in this fight. And uh, you know, Trump has said very publicly he knows people whose children change after vaccination, and and uh, you know, he thinks this needs to be taken care of, and you know meeting with Robert Kennedy and saying he wants to establish a vaccine safety commission. I mean, he didn't have to do that. So, you know, I'm, I, I'm hopeful, but, you know, I, I'm going to keep banging the drum as loud as I can. As, as uh, dire as the situation is in California, it's even worse in Australia, as you discovered firsthand. They, <laughs> tell me about that. Yeah. Okay. So uh, the producers of the documentary Vax from Cover Up the Catastrophe they went to Australia on a tour of their film, and they were hassled by the authorities. And, and you know, um, actually, when they were leaving Australia, they were detained by immigration for 45 minutes. And one of the, the producers, Polly Tommy, um, was actually told by one of the immigration agents that if they knew what she was coming to talk about, they wouldn't have let her into the country. And so... One thing God knows about Ken Heck and Lively is that he hates bullies. So when I interviewed Polly Tommy for um, an article in the Bolin Report, and she told me that, I just thought to myself, okay, I know how I'm going to tweak the Australian authorities. And so I announced in grand fashion that I was going to visit Australia on what I called the Dangerous Science Tour, and I actually wrote a very public letter to the Prime Minister in which I announced my intention to visit Australia and to speak specifically about vaccines. And I, it, I, I would appreciate it if he picked me up at the airport. 
Um, if he couldn't pick me up at the airport, I was fine taking an Uber to his <laughs> private residence. And, uh, you know, I didn't want him to make a fuss over my visit. But if he wanted to give me an award for my work, I would accept the Order of Australia Commander of the Empire because it sounded like something Winston Churchill would get. <laughs> and what happened? Oh, my God. You know, I didn't know if anybody was listening to me. Um, so I became international news. Um, I was uh, I was debated in the Australian Parliament with the immigration minister saying, Ken Heckenlively will not come to Australia. Um, you know, I was on the BBC. I was on, in the Daily Mail, um, BuzzFeed. I even made South China News. Um, we will not let this American into our country and it, it's sort of funny because you know you look at pictures of me i you know i'm your friendly neighborhood science teacher <laughs> you know and, and and you know they're so stupid because you know here they plaster my face all across the world they're so lazy the only picture they can find of me is from my facebook page and it's a picture of me standing in front of the U.S. Capitol looking like I'm running for frickin' Congress. <laughs> and, and it's like, okay, this is the dangerous American, you know, you're not letting in here. And so, you know, it, I really didn't have any intention of going to Australia. You know, it's 16 hours to get there, for God's sake. And a threat of deep um, vein thrombosis. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it, it's sort of like, you know, for 20 bucks... Um, and an article I wrote, I got so much coverage of it, and you know, and, and then I, I tweaked them further because because um, after they denied me very publicly, you know, it wasn't that they did it quietly; they they had to publish this all over the world, and so you know, then I I published further articles to tweak them, and I I called upon President Trump to. Uh, Institute a naval blockade of the country until democracy was reestablished. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I just did all these sorts of things, and I, you know, um, I, I, I told them I was going to sneak into the country in a disguise, um, and I was going to self-identify as the wife of the prime minister. And the only difference between her and I is that uh, she has a thicker mustache than I do, and. Uh, and I don't own six million shares of pharmaceutical company stock like she does. Oh, my which gosh. Which she does. And so, oh, my God. I, you know, I got in so much trouble. And, but, you know, but see, see, I'm pretty proud of it because I don't know anybody else who has been banned from an entire continent. Now, granted, it's the smallest continent in the world, hmm. but still. It's a continent. Right. Well, it's got the Napoleon complex, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, I'm just going to keep tweaking them. I, I, I jokingly say that, you know, I, it, um, in 2015, um, I was supposed to give a talk at the Commonwealth Club of California, uh, along with Dr. Judy Mikovits, my author of, uh, co-author on Plague, and we got protested there, and so um, we got banned, so I say I got banned by the Commonwealth Club of California in 2015. I got banned by Australia in 2017, and now Facebook is blocking my post in 2018. So, 
who knows what the future holds for me. Badge of honor. Uh, exactly. I don't know if you've been keeping abreast of the situation up here in uh, Kanukistan, uh, but in Ontario, uh, let's see, in 2016, the provincial government here, which is uh, very liberal, um, cultural Marxists, if truth be told, yes. they, um, they introduced a bill uh, and if it's it's not quite denying the exemption uh, based on conscience or religious, but if you want to send your kids to a public school and you're and you're not going to have them inoculated, first you have to attend a re-education camp. Uh, the parents do. I kid you not. You have to sit there and listen to public health officials, I suppose, drone on about what a horrible parent you are and don't you know how uh, wonderful vaccines are. So that's what's going on up here. See, and that's actually what they did in California for about two years. And so my and and actually when they passed that in California, I was saying to myself, uh, you know, I went and protested it. But I, I, I said to myself, hey, let's, let's make this blow up in their faces because we're more well educated than the doctors on it. I want to go give them hell. Put me in that class with the doctor. I'll tell you what's going on. Um, and did but, you? Uh, did you do that? I, you know, I didn't have to because I, st- I still had it and it got grandfathered in. So, mm. so no, I didn't. That would have been. Uh, uh... But, but that's a strategy. But here's what's actually t- was terrifying to me. And this is, I think, the moment when I realized how deep the corruption was. So when they were going to pass that law in California, the call went out to activists to go up to Sacramento and, and you know, say, oh, I, I don't want to do this. And, you know, you appear before a committee and they give you two minutes to state your name and why you object to it. So there were about a thousand of us parents there, you know, lined up and really like a thousand people. And I was saying to myself, oh, my God, you know, we're going to win this thing, and, you know, in a walkout. And there I am standing in line. And then I see like 60 20-something-year-olds walking into the building. I see a man with white lab coats, new white lab coats, handing it out to these 20-something-year-olds. And I'm saying to myself, what the heck is going on? It turns out what they did was they bust in like 60 or 70 medical students from like UCLA or USC and they gave them new little lab coats. So when they went in front of the politicians and they gave their two minutes, they said, Hi, I'm Dr. I, you know, I'm Marcy <laughs> White, and I'm a medical student, and I would never dream of forcing a parent to vaccinate against their will. All I want to do is make sure that they're well-informed. And I was just like, oh, my God, we are so outgunned. You know, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, that law passed and, you know, everybody had said, look, this whole thing about you need to go to have a talk with your doctor. Um, that's just an interim step. The next step is it's going to be mandatory. Right. And so the same politicians who had said, you know, we when when they passed that law, you know, at the time, you know, uh, Senator Richard Pan had said, I would never make a, chi- a parent vaccinated child against their conscience or religious feelings. Well, two years ago, two, two years later, he did the exact that same thing. So um, I don't trust these people. So what is the end game here? Where, where is this all leading to? 
in term in terms of the pharmaceuticals um, machination. I, I I think it's leading to their absolute destruction. I mean, I, I just you know it's it's one of those things like the only historical precedents I see is you know like the French Revolution, where when you read stories of that, you go, God, these people are so deluded. They don't know that people hate them. They don't understand that their heavy-handed attempts at censorship or oppression just, you know, have the opposite result. I mean, I, I was having a, a talk recently with um, Del Bigtree, one of the uh, producers yes. of Axe, and mm-hmm. really the, the guiding force behind it. And, and he said, you know, Kent, he said, when, when we talk, we win people to our side, and then we never lose them. We never go back. So I look at this wave of oppression that's coming. The only reason they are oppressive, going with this massive oppression is because we've been successful. Mm-hmm. Because nobody has that. There's no mandatory law that you have to have a cell phone. But for God's sakes, everybody gets it because it's just so dang convenient. Right, right. Well, yeah, we're in the... Um uh, was a Schopenhauer's second stage of uh, of truth. It's being violently opposed. The problem is yeah. they, they they have the mainstream media in their hip pocket. You can't. I mean, I I don't know uh, what other media you do. I know you've done coast to coast. I mean, deep down, it must irk you a little bit that uh, you know to get on the air and talk about this, you got to answer to some guy who has a cockamamie show called the Conspiracy Show. <laughs> You know, it, what has made me understand, Richard, is that, you know, I, I say to myself, I fell down this rabbit hole 15 years ago, but it's made me aware there are so many rabbit holes out there. Well, yeah. I, you know, part of me th- thinks that one of the reasons that the public health industry has re- really circled the wagons around something like fluoride, fluoridation in the public drinking water, is because, and I, I don't know what, you know, I... I don't have any skin in that game. I'm just, I'm interested in hearing, you know, the facts. I haven't made a definitive, um, I haven't definitively made up my mind on that issue. But um, I feel that if public health is so fearful that if they lose that argument over the fluoridated uh, water, then all bets are off. Then the next domino to fall is is uh, vaccinations. And that's why they have circled yeah. the wagons on fluoride. Yeah, and it's it's true. I just and what was really interesting in writing my book, Inoculated, was to read through these documents from the CDC and to come to the realization that in the early two thousands, I really think the scientists thought the idea that vaccines were linked to autism and other neurological problems was a crazy idea. But being scientists. Who, who were trying to operate under scientific ethics, they wanted to investigate the question, and they wanted to do it in a rational way. And it was just so heartbreaking to read through these documents and say, this is the moment when the information came through, it went against what they believed, and they violated their oaths as scientists. You know, they've, they've, they violate their ethics as scientists. You know, their, their ethic, they, you know, their code is not to the pharmaceutical companies. Hmm. You know, it's not to, it's not to any practice. The, the code of a scientist 
is is to truth, regardless of what that truth is. Right. Regardless if that violates everything you believe. That's what you're supposed to do as a scientist. And that, you know, science has a soul. It is a truth-seeking soul. And and what these scientists have done to science is is going to be remembered for a thousand years. And, you know, I'm sorry that they have turned away from the truth, but, you know, I'm going to be the one who makes sure that this is a story that everybody knows for the next thousand years. Tell us a little bit about uh, Age of Autism, this uh, website that you uh, you are sort of a founding editor of. Yeah, yeah. So, so I I've, uh, uh, was one of the founding editors of Age of Autism, put together by um, J.B. Handley, who is uh, also the founder of Generation Rescue, just a f- fabulous guy. And, and for the past uh, three years, I, I've been working more with uh, the Bolin Report and Tim Bolin. Um, who's a longtime health freedom activist. And, you know, what we really are is we try to be the provocateurs out there. Um, I, I think that, you know, it, one of the, the difficulties that I find with the autism community is that, you know, we were just regular parents, you know, and, and you know, typical, you know, straight arrow kind of people or, you know, we weren't straight arrow and then we got married and started having kids and, you know, we're going to be straight arrow. And and then we find ourselves in this amazing fight that we, you know, against overwhelming odds and and we didn't expect it. And and I think that, you know, for the first couple of years, you find yourself going like, oh, gee, I just need to talk in a way that those people will listen. Um, And I think a lot of our community is still in that frame of mind that, Oh gosh, we just haven't been quiet or reasonable enough, and and I, and I, I think I've kind of broken from, from, I've broken even from the rebels because I say to myself, look, they're not talking to us. We have to be as provocative as possible. You know, we have to do provocative things like you know challenge the prime minister of Australia um, to to get our our message heard. We we have to. You know, go out there and, you know, recently when I was on Coast to Coast and George did his introduction of me, I, I said, look, I'm going to make a deal with your listeners after they listen to me. You know, your listeners are going to say he is one of the least controversial people in America and he has abundant good sense. Because all I'm saying is the science hasn't been done. These products are being given to children and we have no idea what the effects are. But from parental reports, the, re, the you know it's terrible it is criminal that they're harming these children um, and they haven't done the studies to see if they're safe or not so you know in an abundance of caution I, I just think that the entire vaccination program um, will be looked at you know 10 20 years from now is something absolutely criminal criminal akin to bloodletting by leeches if if not even you know something worse you know testing witches by drowning them. <laughs> oh, they drown. They're not a witch. Yay! <laughs> How do we get a hold of Inoculated? How Science Lost Its Soul in <laughs> Autism? Uh, you can find it on Amazon if you get a copy and read it. I would love it if you would put a review on Amazon um, because that helps book sales. Also, my book, Plague, How Science Lost Its Soul in uh, uh, Plague, um, that I wrote with Dr. One Scientist's Intrepid it, Search for the Truth. Exactly. Um, and she is a 20-year government scientist. And, uh, you know, like Andy Wakefield, 
she is just a fierce champion of the truth and uh what the media did to her in this country is that they they slandered her and then pretended she never existed so they kind of learned their lesson with wakefield because he continues to be out there and a thorn in their side um they've just tried to disappear Judy Mikovits and her findings in chronic fatigue syndrome and autism down the memory hole. Mm, General so, Primakov would be proud. <laughs> yeah. So I, I'm dedicated to making sure that the brave people like Dr. Brian Hooker, Dr. Andrew Wakefield, um, and Dr. Judy Mikovits get their stories told because they are heroes for our time. Well, likewise, so are you, Kent, and thank you so much for spending some time with me. Very informative. All right. Thank you very much, Richard. And before I dim the lights in my little studio beneath the stairs, I'm going to tell you what's in store on the next installment of Conspiracy Unlimited. Just a reminder, every Friday I draw the name of one lucky winner and they get one of my Strange Planet CDs, which is a uh, a cool collection of my weekly radio feature. If you want to get in on the action, here's what you need to do. Rate and review this podcast. Grab a screenshot of that. Email it to me at richardserrett one at gmail.com. Include your name and mailing address in that email. Then, during Friday's podcast, I draw one of those names. It's that easy. Kind of fun, actually. I love to see the emails pour in during the week. I print them all out, fold them, and dump them into this enormous plastic jar that we have uh, from uh, Costco that used to hold the uh, cheese puffs. And that's what we do. Anyway, good luck and have fun. I've been talking to you for months about weight loss hypnotherapy, and I wouldn't be talking about it if I didn't believe in it. If you've been struggling with your weight and you've tried all of the fad diets and nothing seems to work, why not give hypnotherapy a try? Weight loss isn't about just dieting and exercise. You have to change the underlying behaviors and changing behavior is one of the most difficult things to do. That's why it's so hard to quit smoking, for example. But what if there was a way to reprogram your mind and those behaviors? Well, there is. And the answer is hypnotherapy. Clinical hypnotherapist Dr. Stephen G. Jones has created a set of five audio hypnotic sessions that apply the power of hypnosis to reprogram your mind and replace all of those bad habits with vibrant, positive, new habits and help you achieve natural and long-lasting weight loss. Weight loss hypnotherapy really works, and it's available now at a special discount. Isn't it time to lose those extra pounds? Check out Weight Loss Hypnotherapy right now at SmartClickSavings.com. That's SmartClickSavings.com. Coming up next time on Conspiracy Unlimited, the Pentagon's secret UFO study, the Advanced Aerial Threat Investigation Program. Is it real? Is it part of a PSYOP? Until next time, I'm Richard Serrett. So long for now. A new Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett drops every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at ConspiracyUnlimitedPodcast.com. Blow your mind. That is all for now. Oh, and remember to share and give a five-star review because we have huge egos and need love. We're like cats. We need... We need constant petting.